Bonjour, je m'appelle Sandrine. Hola, me llamo Krista. Bienvenue pour Step Into Mondays. Thank you for joining us, whether it's your first time or joining us again. We are glad to share a little bit of time with you. Krista, how are you doing today? Well, I'm, I'm tired. I was out in the heat all day trying to get my daughter her driver's permit. We were successful, so I guess it was worth it. But man, it is hot. <laughs> <laughs> that is some hard work. You know, when you said you went Saturday and they weren't open and all that, I was having flashbacks of taking Emily where I went, checked her out of school. We came home was looking for all the documents and for the life of me could not find her birth certificate. <laughs> and we searched and searched and searched and I think it ended up taking us a couple of hours. I still couldn't find her and I took her back to school. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So I'm glad to get all of that done with and and chat with you today about actual lesson planning, right? We've been talking about backward design for your overall curriculum. And then for your thematic unit. And so now we're down to the nitty gritty day to day. Yeah. Uh, we're down to the lesson. We're breaking it down and we are down to the last part, which is the actual lesson. Right. And so there are a lot of things you have to consider every day, right? We've got to think about what our learning target is, the proficiency level, right? Yeah, we've got to think about our overall goal and then our overall unit goals, make sure they're all in line. Um, so quite a bit to think about. We also want to make sure that we build in time for student reflection. Um, you know, that's something I've been looking at in my classes and I'm like, man, I've got to add in more time for that. But reflection can take many different forms. So it doesn't have to be just like journal entry or something else. And I actually have an idea on how to incorporate it in that lesson. Oh, excellent. The other thing we need to keep in mind as you and I are going over this or everybody over here needs to keep that in mind is that this would be a lesson over one day, but it's very difficult on deciding how long everybody's lessons are. Because like right now, my lessons are 50 minutes, but yours are a little bit longer when you've had the face-to-face -face this, this past right. semester, because you were doing two days a week. Um, yes, and 75 minutes just seems like forever. <laughs> Sometimes. You know, it's funny because I did it. That's the way I was doing it at UAB and it actually worked really well for me. I often felt like I didn't have enough time and I loved mm -hmm. it. I loved having the 75 minutes. I felt like I could get into things and then we would, I would run out of time and even the students would be like, what? It's the end of class already? My gosh. And it was like, yeah, well, you know, there's always next, next class or next week. But sometimes when you I mean, it took me, it took me a, a few classes of, to get used to it coming from the 50 minutes. And I mean, like we saw with our kids in the high school, um, I mean, well, Wilson, I guess, was in the same boat as Emily, 
where every year that they were at the school, they had a different schedule. Yes. Because did he start with the block system his first year? Yes, he had block and then they had eight okay. periods and seven periods. And I mean, yeah. And then the six yeah. was the extended lunch or whatever it was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so those poor teachers have had to <laughs> adapt, but you couldn't, you know, they might have had 52 minutes and 56 minutes and whatever time and whatnot. So this is more to illustrate the thing. Um, although I will definitely be keeping this that we've been working on since we're dealing with French, I'll be keeping it um, pretty close by to put it in place whenever I have my lessons. But I'll also have to see how to adapt it to the time that I have. I now know that I am teaching online in the fall unless something comes out of the woodwork and they tell me no, <laughs> you know, but I know that so I can mm -hmm. go forward with that. So that's going to be helping, but still it's going to have to be adjusted. So anyway, all of that to say that um, everybody's time might be a little bit different. Students might be working a little bit faster, a little bit slower. So this is more to illustrate how you would get about about it yeah, absolutely and so you know and this is this is really not even the first um the first lesson in the unit um this right. is you know this is kind of into it they've already so i guess we should tell you they their background knowledge they've already kind of had a a virtual tour, if you will, of Paris and talked about, you know, the right bank and the left bank and, you know, some of the famous monuments or whatever. And so they're already kind of familiar with some of the places around Paris. And so today, um, you know, our goal is for them to talk about where they go or where they want to go in Paris. Um, so that's, that's kind of our, our major goal is to say where they go. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if we're taking our backward design form, which is our mm -hmm. roadmap. So our first part of the stage one, the goal that would be for them to be able to tell us where they're going. Right. Within the city of Paris or what activity they might take part in. Mm hmm um yeah so kind of you know our goal is for them to be able to plan their day as well you know we'll go here and then we'll go here and so then mm -hmm. the understandings uh would be i mean they would stay pretty similar to the whole overall lesson wouldn't they i would i would think so um yeah, and about the history of of the city, mm -hmm. and why these particular places that they're going, you know, why are they important? So, essential question would also pretty much be the same or pretty similar. Mm -hmm. How do these particular places that we're talking about going, you know, tell the history of Paris or the story of Paris? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's yeah, that's a lot of times your goal your goals are going to be a little different day to day but your essential questions should kind of really be be the same mm -hmm. right your lesson should help 
faster the answer for that because you're going to have to get to the end of the unit for students to successfully be able to answer that question. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay. So at the end of this lesson, the students will know. So places around the city, they will better, they, they will, um, well, the French word is coming to my mind. The English word is, is completely escaping me. They will increase their knowledge of the places <laughs> around the city. I hate when that happens. It's just so annoying in the middle of a conversation. I'll have like that one word and it's like, half the time too the my audience i cannot throw the french word because they're just looking at me like okay mm -hmm. you know with you i can do it but <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> and then we can go but like oh it's annoying and then i'll be speaking french and i'll have the the french word that escapes me and then i have the english word and usually i'm talking to my mom and so that does no good <laughs> right because <laughs> i could say it to her then she won't hear it right on top of it so, oh, that's annoying. Okay, so they will know, they will have an increased knowledge of the places around the city of Paris and around cities in general, because they will be using that vocabulary again and again and again, which is good. We're having that added practice, right? That rehearsal that, what was it? 24 times for it to stick? Yes, yeah, so I can't remember the exact number, but it's a lot. It's something like that, right? It was in the twenties. It seems like, yeah. So, and so, yeah. They also need they need the verb aller. They need to know how to conjugate the verb aller. So we'll have to make sure they know their subject pronouns, all that good stuff. Yeah, mm -hmm. as a review, right? Um, and then maybe an increased level since we're talking about Paris because it might lend itself depending on the map that you're using if they're using um directions as well i mean that directions might have come before or might come after but if you're throwing that in there um you might have the arrondissement that come into play mm -hmm. but they might they might see that they might know a little bit more about it in that conversation but it's a one lesson, so we don't want to overload it either. So I think that pretty much does the will know, right? Mm -hmm. And so they'll be able to, again, identify places around Paris, um, identify activities that can be done in those places, and use the proper grammar, the proper structure to express going places right they'll be able to say where they go mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so that falls on to Ali okay all right so that's the nice thing about being at the level of the lesson because we have our stage one done because mm -hmm. exactly. we have our goals we have our understandings our essential question we know what the students will know and we've defined what they will be able to do since we're at the lesson level, we don't have nearly as much in there because we don't want to pack too much. Right. So now we've got to think about, uh, you know, how are they going to show us this? What, what evidence are we going to uh, ask for, I guess? I think it's probably going to be mostly indirect. It probably will, although 
when you were talking about the student reflection, mm -hmm. you know, one way that they can reflect is by explaining to somebody what they have learned. And I use that mm -hmm. a good bit when I was teaching at UAB that I, I was a little bit more focused on that. And I would sometimes do it at the beginning of class because they had to look at it at home, but that can be done also at the end of class where, so that could be a direct evidence where they work in pairs and one of the students explain to the other one, one thing that they know about indicating how they're going somewhere, because then they would fall onto the verb yes. aller and say, okay, to go somewhere, I have to use aller a. You know, you even have the, the element with that preposition right. that comes after, right? Um, mm -hmm. And then the other one could oh, add those another. darn prepositions too. <laughs> They're problematic in every language. I mess up my English ones constantly and people make fun of me, but that's okay. Um, but then, you know, you can have the other student, the other partner who adds one element and can be like, yeah, so it's the verb aller. So to conjugate in the fir first person, it's irregular. So it would be je vais. And you kind of keep going back and forth where they're building up on each other's knowledge, where they're adding everything that they can. So it has them reflect on Ali. Mm -hmm. And you might even have at some point, because maybe you've talked about it, maybe you haven't yet, where one of them would be like, okay, and the preposition might change depending on what comes after. So je vais mm -hmm. à la Tour Eiffel, but je vais au cimetière, because Tour Eiffel is feminine, mm -hmm. cimetière is masculine. And so maybe mm -hmm. one of them will catch it and then can talk about it. And I think that can be your direct evidence. Yes, definitely. And then, of course, we'll have indirect evidence in their class participation and, right. you know, kind of how well they, they, they complete certain games and activities during a class. Mm -hmm. Right. So, mm -hmm. okay. So we have that. And then we have the action plan. Right. So the action plan is actually how is our class going to go down? Right. And so the first thing that we need is a hook. Yeah. And, you know, we've, we've touched briefly on that before, but, you know, hooks don't have to be this big, huge, you know, oh my gosh moment. You just really want to get them involved or engaged in the lesson. And it can be something as simple as, you know, making a choice. Do you like this or that? Or which one of these do you think is better? Or, I mean, it doesn't have to be this huge, huge thing that I think so many teachers are like, oh, hooks. I can't think of a hook. I mean, you don't have to dress up like, you know, Marie Antoinette or whatever. You know, that's what people think of, right? With, with these hooks. And you might want to do that at the beginning or end of a particular unit. But, you know, on a daily basis, no, you just want to give them a question to kind of force them to choose, if you will, an answer and to become engaged in the I, lesson from the get-go. And so. in this one, when, because <laughs> full disclosure, 
we discussed it a little bit beforehand with where we were going because otherwise it takes a little while to discuss that and kind of comes to term and we had to decide what lesson we were doing right because we had several um and so we had talked about they're going to need pictures of the places around paris because that's very important and yet they've seen it once or twice but they need to see it again and again and again and actually I had mentioned earlier to you that maybe having a game to identify the places, but now I'm thinking you could do with probably Answerpad if you're, well, in person or virtual or one mm -hmm. like the whiteboard, what is it, whiteboard.fi or one of those where um, you could ask students to brainstorm and tell you about all of the places around Paris that they remember all of the names and kind of mm -hmm. see what they remember. And because they all get pretty competitive, you can make it as a game with, okay, the ones that more than one person has don't count, but the ones that nobody else counts and gives you a point. And the person with the most points, I don't know, mm -hmm. gets to do something special. So that could be something. And then gets them thinking a little bit more, digging a little bit deeper because they're, they won that prize, even if it's just a, the, the crown that and has see, no meaning. And see, I was thinking, and I just, oh, this remote teaching or virtual thing is so hard because I was thinking it would be kind of cool if you had the class divided up into the left bank and the right bank. And, you know, you had a picture up and they had to tell you which which side it was on by moving to whatever they thought it, you know, where it was located. I wonder if that's where you could use Pear Deck with that because I was playing with it today and they have something where you can slide to one side or the other. Oh, see, that would be cool. That would, kind of be, that would be a fun thing too. So uh -huh. yeah. I think there might be a one that's like pick a side or something like that. Okay because they have some that are already built in. Okay. And cool. it's, it's interesting to see how they, how they have it done. So that could be an option looking at it to kind of work with it. Yes, um, I think either one of those kinds of, of things would be, would be a hook. And like I said, I'm just all about getting them up and moving because they sit so much during the day. I love for my kids to get up and move around. Mm -hmm. So they have one that's a draggable choice. So you could have with the with a picture or something where they're dragging it and it's a dot or I think you can change the shape. Yeah, because I think there is one that's like um a placer, you know, like you would okay. have on a map, the little teardrop. Okay, well, thing. that's cool. So you could do that, you know, remotely, virtually, or, or in class. Okay. So you could even have it with the map of Paris mm -hmm. and no labeling and tell them, okay, who can get the closest? That's true too. To where that is, to kind of mm -hmm. give them an ID. So those would be good ways. Those would be good hooks. Those would take a little bit longer, but it mm -hmm. activates their background knowledge. Right. right. And it's a good review of all of the core, um, all of the places. And again, you know, cause one of the complaints from one of my students on the surveys today was that I personally don't spend enough time telling them 
which nouns are masculine and which nouns are feminine. Mm. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> I didn't know that was all my job, but whatever. That's um, what articles are for, baby. Le or L la in Spanish. I know, and you know, and I tell them that that they do need, need to learn the article when they're learning the word. But anyway, I just think this guy was just unhappy with the world. But anyway, <laughs> um, so it would also serve kind of as a good review. So it's le, right? Cimetière and la tour. So that would also serve as kind of a review. And you might could even emphasize that, mm -hmm. you know, because of the ah, that's going right. to be coming up if you want to. But that's something else too, you know, that you and I really, um, talked about and honestly I think one of the reasons that we chose to do this lesson where we're talking about Ale is because we don't I mean we're what we're doing is not necessarily revolutionary by any means but it's not the traditional here is the verb let's conjugate it either you know right. which so many people are are still into and so we would really love for the teachers to kind of step away from from that mindset and that whole um, idea about how to teach grammar. I mean, one of the core practices for effective language teaching is to teach grammar as a concept and in context. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what we're wanting to do here. So you can, you can certainly do that with your, with your hook activity, working with the le and the la, because that is going to come into play later when you're talking about alea. Mm -hmm. so. And you'd have it in here because you would say, oh, je vais à la Tour Eiffel. Où est la Tour Eiffel? Right. I'm exactly. going to the so tower. Where is it? And they're taking their little thing and they're dropping it. Exactly. So they're already hearing, allez, je vais. Mm -hmm. They're hearing that a lot. Or if you're having them guess what it is, mm -hmm. je vais où? And they have either they're guessing what you're showing them or you're giving them the whiteboard and you're asking them, je vais où? Qu'est-ce que je fais à Paris? Quelle activité? Où est-ce que je vais? And then they're hearing it, maybe not as much, but they're already seeing it in there. Mm -hmm. So that definitely serves that. So then one of the things you and I talked about was having a little PowerPoint that where they have the visual about... Um, about the verb and its conjugation, not all of the forms necessarily. No, I, you know, I honestly, it works so much better, or at least for me, if I tell them, you know, if I do the PowerPoint with the je vais, right? And then mm -hmm. I will go and ask them, you know, like, uh, you know, est-ce que tu vas à la Tour Eiffel? And so they're hearing that. So you're working with the first and second person singular mm -hmm. and you really work with those and then give them some type of activity where they're asking each other and practicing you know the i and the you right before you even add in the third person mm -hmm. right and that's where so, so we had that had so a little powerpoint with a little story where you're having it Oh, ma journée à Paris. Aujourd'hui, je vais à la Tour Eiffel et puis je vais à l'Arc de Triomphe. Brad, est-ce que tu vas à la Tour Eiffel? <laughs> I was trying to think of a right. name. I had nothing coming to me. Um, and so then they're kind of going, they're using it a little bit as you're going through it because you don't want that passive 
Actually, you know what we should do though? What's that? We should give them a list of the places. Oh, is it bingo? Maybe we should give them a list of the, the places before we start our little story and have them pick out where they would want to go. And so then if I say, you know, je vais à la Tour Eiffel, and then I ask Brad, you know, if he's going to la Tour Eiffel, he would look at his sheet and go, no, I didn't pick that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could. You definitely could. Or have them a little bingo so then they don't have to choose. No, that's true too. Yeah. But then that would take a little bit longer to do. That falls more on the teacher to have to do the bingo thing. Right. Although there's probably, I'm sure, somebody screaming right now going, there are websites that will do the bingo stuff for you. <laughs> I'm right. sure they have right. some. Exactly. That I have a news, and then you could put all input all of the places and it generates bingo um, documents for you. It'd be a little bit harder to mm-hmm. do remotely, though, because they would each have yes. to have their own thing, so your ID would work better. Yeah, no, that would work mm-hmm. well. So they have that. You're going through your story, je vais, tu vas, etc. And then, of course, the next one would work much better in a face-to-face than it would in a, in a remote environment because that's where I thought, well, each student can have either a place or something you would do at that place. So you could have l'Opéra de Paris. So one of them would have that picture and the other one would have a picture of an opera singer. Mm -hmm. And so they have all of those so that it makes pairs. And then they would go around asking, trying to find their partner. And so asking the other person, oh, are you going to the opera? No, I'm going to... I'm traveling by train. I'm going to the train station. Are you going to the Oprah? No, I'm going to the Eiffel Tower until they find their person who's got the Oprah singer and go, yes, I do go to the Oprah. Opera. <laughs> uh, I know. I have an issue with that word and I don't know why I kept saying it. And then they're their partner and they would remain partner for the rest of the class unless you do another similar activities mm-hmm. that reshuffles them. And that's a good way too for them not to go to their favorite partner. Yeah, and you know, and then honestly, that um, that would set up a good segue after you've done the je, and then they're doing the two practice there. Then they could actually tell you could say, uh, use the third person and say, "Oh, look, you know, Brad goes to the opera," mm-hmm. and so you're working with the third person. And honestly, I would just I just work with all the singular forms on the first first day I don't necessarily give them all of them then the next day we go back and review and then you know you can say oh well Brad and I we both go to the opera house or something like that so I don't do all of the verb conjugation all of the I I do the singular first and then the plural so and I know that's personal preferences also depends on how much time you have That's what I was going to say. I mean, if you only have 50 minutes, it works super well. If you have an hour and 15 minutes, you probably have time eventually to throw in that new or that vous and that plural. So that would be, that's, that's something to keep in mind. So now we have our partners, they have connected. I think one activity that would go back to what you were saying, if they have picked what they're going to do in Paris before the presentation, then they could tell their partner what they're going to do. 
I have a little Venn diagram. Like, je vais, so, you know, we've picked our little, we've done all your choices before the PowerPoint presentation as mm -hmm. to where we were going to go. So now we're together, we're partners. So I'm going to be with you and I'm going to say, oh, so for my trip in Paris, I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to the Eiffel Tower and I'm going to go to the Arc de Triomphe and I'm going to go to Notre Dame uh, and I'm going to go to the cabaret. Where are you going? And you're going to be like, oh, well, I'm going to Notre Dame as well. So you know, we'd have a little Venn diagram like, okay, so we're both going to, to Notre Dame, uh, but I'm not mm -hmm. going to the Eiffel Tower. Instead, I'm going to go to Montmartre. And so they have their little comparison where they're talking about it. And that's mm -hmm. where if you're wanting to work on singular persons, like you were saying with the eel and the L, that's where then as you're going around, it doesn't have to be as a whole class thing, but as you're going around, you can go through and they can tell you what their partner is going to be doing. And then they would tell you and say, oh, well, he's going to Montmartre and Eiffel Tower and to the Musée Grévin right and kind of go through that way then if you have more time and you're wanting to model the plural that's where they also can because since they did their venn diagram they have their things in common and they can say well i'm going here and she's going there and we're both going there right and at that point you have built up on that mm -hmm. so okay so and then Again, every time they're using it, they are going back through the, the places. So they're seeing that vocabulary, we get that repetition. So what do they do next? What do you think? Well, um, you know, this is, this is the part where it would take a little bit, I mean, again, depending on how much time you have and so there are a lot of places in Paris that do have virtual tours like Père Lachaise and the Louvre and you can find a few others and so have the students actually go to these places and tour them and and you know like we did we did with Père Lachaise and you know where did you go in the cemetery oh I you know I'm I I'm going to to Jim Morrison's grave or I found Chopin or whatever and so they could actually do some virtual tours and I think I mean it depends on how your room is set up and what all you're thinking about but I mean it would be kind of super cool if you I mean and they of course could do this in groups but you could even have like four or five depending on your class size uh, tour different tours and so they could go to a different one each day they could or I was thinking if it's something like a uh, like the opera uh, <laughs> we'll fix that one that way if they're going to the opera there is the the sites to be seen but at the same time what is happening there so they can go and plan the evenings. What do they want to see? When would they want to go? So that, for that one, right. that would be the difference. With La Perla, Le Père Lachaise, like you were talking about, 
that one was fun because we ended up making a little bit of a quest for it, right? We had all sorts of questions like, can you find the oldest grave? Can you mm-hmm. find, I can't remember all of the questions that we had, but we had one that was related obviously to Jim Morrison and you have Oscar Wilde who's buried there. So he's got that super mm-hmm. cool grave. And I think we might have asked them what was on that grave, if they could tell what was on the tombstone. Right. Anybody who's never been and who doesn't know, Oscar Wilde is buried in La Père Lachaise in Paris. And they've covered it now. You can't do it anymore. But when we went, you could. And mostly women, but I'm sure they've had men doing it, would put on lipstick and kiss the the uh, grave marker. And you had lips all over it. And <laughs> it's super cool and super gross at the same time, if you think about it. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> it's like, I, it is covered. And you know the rain washed off some. And so you have some newer one around it and we actually witnessed somebody doing it so that was Mm -hmm. that was quite interesting watch them put their lipstick on and really put it on to make sure it would show you know all in the reds mostly because it shows better and then put those lips on there to to have it where it stays but I think now they've covered it so people cannot do it anymore but Mm -hmm. So we had something about it and you have the oldest grave and maybe can you find a musician? Can you find an author? Can you find, so, but you can do that, but you could not do that at the opera because it's not the same kind of venue. Right. So, so that, that would take some prep on the teacher's part to, to, to make all the different, you know, activities for the different virtual tours around Paris. And so, you know, and again, it depends on how much time you have, how much flexibility. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't necessarily have to have all the students do all of the tours either. The students could come back and just report. Right. That's what I was going to say. You could have, it would be super neat if each group had a different tour. But depending how many students you have, if you have a class of 30 and you're working with pairs and you're looking at 15 places, that could be a lot of work to put together. Um, if you're doing it on your own, but you can have a general questionnaire. Like if you are going to a cemetery, here are some things you would want to be looking for. If you're going to a place of entertainment, you would want to look at the schedule and find acts or programs that you would enjoy and find out a little bit more about it. And if you're going to, I don't know, a historical site, then you would want to find, I don't know, some interesting facts about it or something like that. So that could be made fairly generic as far as the questions. And as you go through using it year after year, every time you're using it, you can refine it a little bit more. Technology keeps evolving anyway, so you might have something else that comes into play and pushes you to update it anyway. Right, and I think we also have to keep in, I think we have to keep in mind too that these are novice level. So when, you know, when you're doing the tour and like, especially if you have the students report back, you're going to need to expect some franglais on what they see because it is a novice. Right. And then in what they're reporting back, you also want to stress to them that it would be very, very minimal. And it could be something in your original PowerPoint that you have, je vais au Louvre, Um, je regarde le tableau de la Mona Lisa, qui est Mm -hmm. la Joconde en français. 
Mm -hmm. uh, so, je regarde le tableau de la Joconde. Uh, and then maybe another thing or two that you would have seen so that it's illustrating it with the simple sentences and tell them this is the type of right. presentation I'm expecting. I go to the Louvre, I go see the Mona Lisa, I go see Rembrandt, I go see the Venice de Milo, I think that's where she is. And, you know, and that's mm -hmm. about it. It's something super quick because it's not... It's not right. an official presentation, right? It's not a full direct evidence. It's more of the indirect as to what they found, what they saw. So mm -hmm, I think that mm -hmm. would pretty much, pretty much make a very full lesson having oh, it with that. Absolutely. And you might even run out of time depending on your students. You might. And I was thinking if you run out of time, one thing that could be done is use Flipgrid for them to do their little reporting. And you could have That's them use Flipgrid to do their little reporting either way, because as we've learned, you can import pictures, mm -hmm. videos into it. So then they can import their little pictures of where they went with their little narration with their partner and they're ready to go. Right. Well, and, and then too, we've also got to make sure though, because we wanted to do the reflection Right. So see, that's what happens to us. Sometimes we get so inspired and we go and we have these three hour long <laughs> lessons <laughs> that we have to divide up then. Um, so, or you could, um, you could have them use Flipgrid depending as well um, on their, to do their reflection. I was thinking about that too. I mean, I like to mix and match. Mm-hmm. But, and maybe they're going, they're finding places, they're discovering information. You realize you're about to run out of time. You tell them we're tabling that, we're moving on to the reflection where they're doing it. Next class, you're right. starting it with what can they tell you? What do they remember from what they saw? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And then if on their student reflection, you fully ran out of time because it was one of those days you couldn't really get them to work or they were so invested in it, you could not pull them away from what they were discovering. At that point, you can have the student reflection done with a flip grid. And, and I'm telling you, the, the virtual tours, for the most part, the kids really get into those. Oh, when I did expedition, and I have college level classes, right? Mm -hmm. I did expeditions with them when Google expeditions, which you can kind of do it online, but it's so much cooler doing it in person, but you have right. to all be on the same Wi-Fi. So that's why it's very different. You cannot do it remotely. You have to be on the same right. Wi-Fi because then you as a teacher, you're the guide and it's showing you the different places and it's, and it's taking your students in the different places and it's giving you all of the information already prepared and some questions you can ask. You have everything at your fingertips. And you can see because it tells them where they have to go. They have an arrow that tells them they have to move their phone so that they can go to that place and then see what you're showing them. So they really, really liked it. And in my at the end of the year when we did the quiz or the final exam and I asked them to tell me activities they really enjoyed, that one came back up over and over and over again. And they wish we could have done more. They could have gone for hours with it. So sometimes it's hard to pull yeah, them away really, from it. Really, 
<laughs> so yeah, so it yes, might be you couldn't really pull them is. off. They, they just could not get over the research and the virtual tours. And so you couldn't and you ran out of time. Another good take for the reflection, if you're running out of time, um, although with Flipgrid, they can do like the whiteboard too, didn't they? Or they can import the stuff, but it's a seesaw. Because with seesaw, they can also like write and narrate. So they could write what they're seeing about the verb alley and show you how it works, what they've learned at the same time that as they narrate it so you can see it. Well, so, and I think, yeah, and I think too, what you, you want to make sure, and I think, you know, adding in these virtual tours and whatnot are going to, um, it's going to bleed over into other days. You want to get at the heart of why are these places so important? Mm -hmm. um, and what do they tell you about Paris? Because, you know, remember our essential question is how does a city tell its story, you know, right. through its places and its architecture and its art, you know, and all of these things. And so you may want to switch to a little bit of English um, to say, okay, guys, what, why is Père Lachaise important in the history of Paris? Or what does it tell you about the history of Paris? Or, you know, what about the L'Arc de Triomphe? What is the story behind it, you know, mm -hmm. kind of thing. So you definitely want to make sure that you bring in those connections. Right. And they might come in in this lesson, or they might come in in a lesson behind it. Mm -hmm. the next day or two days later or however but it's building to that right exactly so all of your lessons are building up to yeah to kind of answer that question and they're smart cookies they're they're not observant when it comes to grammar or for when you're telling them we don't have a final exam we have an ipa they're not observant at all but you show them something like that and they're going to look at it and go well, why is this person wearing a red collar shirt? <laughs> you know, and they, they will notice that. Or why is that window this way? Or why is the thing that way? And with the Père Lachaise, you know, do you know any places in the U.S. that would look similar to that? Right, exactly. And it's like, oh, New Orleans, really? Why? I wonder why. Why do you think? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're building those connections, right? Exactly, and exactly. They will see it. They will, they will ask those questions. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And that's the 10%. That's the part where you're going to hit and more than likely you're going to have to go to, to English about it. And, and it's okay, especially with at this novice level here. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you notice our lesson was taught, I mean, we, we did not really, yes, we want them to use the verb aller, but it was not a traditional, here is, you know, your verb paradigm, je vais, tu vas, il va, you know, nous allons. We didn't do it that way. Oh, um, look, it's a boot verb. Nous <laughs> and vous are different. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, ah! Be, well, and it really has no meaning for them, you know, and that's the thing. You've got to have meaning before form. And we, I mean, we, we've so often had it backwards. Let's look at the form and then put meaning to it. Well, the form has no meaning by itself. I mean, they have to see, oh, if I want to say I'm going somewhere, I, this is what I need to say. 
you've got to put the meaning to it first. And right. we've, 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 for whatever reason, get that backwards. And I, I don't know why, I guess tradition, right? I guess because if you look in school, like in French schools, by the time you get to school, you start having French classes and you're looking at grammar. That's all you're doing in school. And maybe taking that as like, oh, well, we need to learn another language. Well, when we get to school, we were doing grammar. So let's do grammar as well. And we're missing the point that French kids, just like American kids, by the time they get to school, they know how to speak the language, maybe imperfectly, but they know how to, how to speak it. They know how to communicate. And now you're fine tuning it. Right. But, and so why are we trying to fine tune it in our classes before they can even speak it? Right. It's like we're taking our three months old and going, okay, now I'm going to tell you about the verb to be, and here is how it's conjugated, baby. Can you remember that? Memorize it. I know, right? <laughs> and then you're going to quiz that child. That's all you're going to do. You're never going to have a conversation with that child. You're just going to quiz the child on going, okay, now what are your subject pronouns? No, no, no. <laughs> we, I can't talk to you if you don't know your subject pronouns. I'm telling you, and if you're going to tell me I be unhappy, then I'm going to be unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So that's kind of what we're doing, except that because we're thinking, oh, these people know how to speak another language and they're now learning, you know, their second or their third or however many, then we, we need to go straight into grammar. But you know, some of that feeds into, I mean, our student expectations though. Again, I go back to that survey. Some of my students were like, you don't review enough grammar with me. I'm not sure how to conjugate the verb correctly. And you just need to do more grammar. And, and you know, and I'm thinking, hmm, okay. You've totally missed the point of everything I've been doing, but okay. But it's their expectation as well. Mm -hmm. They've been set up to think that grammar equals language right and, and i don't know what is language right what is language is language grammar or is it communication i mean what is language that's a good question that's an essential question <laughs> it is i use the whole wrong terminology it's a <laughs> it's not an essential question it's a well, it is an essential question for language teachers. Yeah, it is an essential question. I was thinking lasting understanding, and I was like, I mixed them both. Oh. It's an essential question. So what is language? So yeah, so that's a, a little lesson uh, that would cover. They get to use that verb. They get to use that structure. They're reviewing all of the places in the city to be a little bit more familiar with it. It's setting up a further down the line conversation about the essential question that you had for them to be able to answer it. And it's also setting up lasting understandings. Enduring understanding. Enduring. I was like, lasting is not the right word. Well, same difference. I mean, I'm just all over the place. You opera understanding. <laughs> <laughs> At least you said it right that time, girl. <laughs> See, I don't know where the E goes. So I have to go to the French pronunciation of it. Otherwise I mess it up every time. So, um, so that, that goes to your enduring, enduring understanding. understanding. I got it in my head this time. 
So it works all together. So yeah, so that's one way you would work your lesson for backward design. And then you'd go back for every one of them and kind of the first part is able to go fairly quickly because you're going back to what the unit was. Mm-hmm. So to make sure you're staying on track with the unit and then it's the knowledge, your evidence and um, your, your action plan that's going to change. So anything else you can think of that needs to be added to that little lesson? Um, well, I mean, we have so much already. Okay. Wouldn't want to, especially with the, you know, the virtual tours. Yeah, the virtual tours is what's going to take some time. And again, that's just, it, you know, it's going to depend on what kind of lesson you have. If it's a 50 minute lesson, you might not get to the virtual tours. That might have to be the next one. Right. And then it depends on the classroom setup you have. If you're not a one-one class, they're having to share, depending how many have to share, what kind of setup you have. If you're Mm -hmm. doing remote teaching, are your students, do your students have access to that information? Do they have access to technology? Because we saw that was an issue. Obviously, here we're going on the assumption that they have access to technology. Right. But maybe you are in a situation where you have to teach remotely and they do not. And at that point, things have to be tweaked a good bit because at that point, you're having to adapt a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And that's, that would be a conversation for another day because that's a whole other ball game there. Okay. All right. So let's we are going to be adding a new little segment and i'm going to cheat because i kind of you know i kind of came up with it (laughs) because i wanted well i was i was thinking about it this weekend i was like oh i can't wait to tell her that and i thought oh we should add that as a segment and i was telling that to emily and she goes you know you should have such a segment every time and i was like yes i know And so I was like, okay, I can't wait for it, but I'm cheating because it should be one thing and I have three, but uh, that was a big weekend for me. Mm -hmm. So this new little segment is our aha moment. (laughs) So it just, it could be anything, something we came across that, kind of blew our minds or that we're like, oh, this is so cool. I can't wait to share. That gets us a little bit more excited. I know it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't take much. But, <laughs> That's you know, true. Show us something. I mean, I saw something on Twitter yesterday. Somebody was like, you know, I just realized what we call a master bedroom, a master bedroom. It was like, it blew my mind. I can't call it that anymore. I was like, oh crap. I had never thought about that. So <laughs> But that's not one of my aha moments. I do have three and I have one that I have shared with, well, one of them I told you to go and listen to it. And I don't know that you did or not because you were busy this weekend. But, um, and one I shared on our Twitter and I will reshare um, in the article notes in the, in the show notes. So we have it. So mm-hmm. do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Go right ahead. Okay. All right. So... Well, let's go chronologically. So I was surfing Twitter the other day. I guess we surf Twitter. I don't know. I was looking through Twitter and somebody was sharing about how they couldn't wait for the new school year to start so they could share this article with their 
teachers with their students who are going to be teachers. And the article was about how learning styles are myth. Yes, I saw that. And I was like, I, I mean, I, I don't know that I agree with that. Well, I kind of do. As I was reading through it, I thought it made sense because, you know, you have your visual, you have your hands-on and all of that. And basically the argument is we use all of it mm -hmm. in more forms or others as we're coming across new, um, new tasks. But because it's one of the myths that's perpetuated by teachers, teachers tend to use some of them more than others. Mm -hmm. So then we think, oh, I'm more of a visual or I'm more of that when it's a better trained skill. And I thought that was very interesting and kind of made sense because I know Benjamin always complained that anytime teachers gave him those tests, he fell across all three modes hmm. and then never could find one that was a priority. And so that bothered the teachers because they couldn't peg him into anything. So that made sense in, in my case. But so why did you not completely agree with that? Well, I just, I think that, I do think that all students benefit from all the different types of like the visual, the auditory, the, um, you know, bodily kinesthetic, all of that. I, I think that we all do that, but I know for me personally, if I, if, if the only way that I receive information is listening to it, which is ironic because here we are doing a podcast where teachers <laughs> listen. Um, I do not get it as quickly or as well. And I have to go back and listen and listen. And so I think that it's important to make, to strengthen everyone's skills, like you were saying, but I just think there are some things that, I mean, I learn a better way than other people. I do know with names, if I don't see somebody's name written down, I have a harder time. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I remember being a kid in school and I could tell you exactly what page number something was on, what it looked like, but I could not tell you what the content was. Mm -hmm. Kind of, uh, yeah, both sides of the spectrum. So that was interesting. The other thing that I heard, and I don't know, that it was so much aha as I was super, super excited as I was listening to the EdTech Chat podcast. And that's a mouthful to say. <laughs> the guest on there who was talking was Tom Whitby and he was talking about teachers having to be lifelong learners mm -hmm. to stay educated, to stay on top of, to, to keep their knowledge up to date because it changes. And I just about cheered in my kitchen when he said that because he was talking about how too often teachers finish their schooling and kind of go, okay, I'm done with it. I know it all and I can go on for the next 20 years and teach. And like he said, it's not all teachers. Obviously, if you're listening to this podcast now, you do not fall in that category because you're trying to educate yourself. But a lot of teachers think about your colleagues, you know, like, when I was in grad school, one of our professors said, you can teach one year or you can teach 20 years. If you're mm -hmm. teaching one year, you're doing the same thing for the next 20s. But if you're teaching 20 years, you're doing a different year every year. Mm -hmm. 
And it's like, what teacher do you, what kind of teacher do you want to be? Do you want to be the one who teaches one year or the one who teaches 20? Right. So that was interesting. But at the same time, he was pointing out that teachers are not supported in that quest of learning by administration or their schools. Oh, I totally agree with that. And I totally agree with the lifelong learning. And I really think that it's so critical for world language teachers, because not only do we need to know what's going on pedagogically, but we also need to keep up our language skills. Yes. Um, you know, if I teach lower level, I, I noticed last year when I went to Spain and I was like, man, I'm using the same old, same old verbs. You know, I've simplified my speech for so long. I'm like, I've really got to up my game. I know all these other verbs. Why am I, you know, not doing that? But it's because right. I've taught lower levels for so long. And so being in a different environment in another country and talking with people, I really, it's like, oh, I got to get my Spanish back up. I've got to elevate it. So it is, yes, it is absolutely critical, especially for um, language teachers, because we've got that double whammy, not only the you know, pedagogical side, but the, um, the language side, the skills, mm -hmm. the linguistics. Yeah. I mean, you have the cultural side too, as you were saying that I was thinking, I mean, by going to the country is where we are able to see the culture in action and it changes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm French. I know French culture, but in the 20 plus years that I've been here, that culture has changed and I've had times going back where it's kicked my butt because I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, well, there is this happening. And I'm kind of looked at like, where have you been? And it's like, oh, excuse me, I'm still living with the way it was done 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. You know, so, so you, you got a few things that change and you have to be able to experience it. And then you can tell your students, oh, when I was there in that region, this is what I witnessed and not just have to rely on what the textbook is telling you because half the time they make no sense. Right. So that was interesting. And I liked how he was saying the culture has to change so that teachers feel supported in that development of their lifelong learning. Um, unfortunately, uh, unless I tuned him out at some point, I don't recall him having a solution as to how we change the culture, whether it's from top down or bottom up. I think it's probably from both. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, so that was great. And I was like, okay, Tom, you go. Woohoo. Uh, so I actually ended up having to tweet at him and go, oh, Tom, I was like cheering. <laughs> right. So that was that. And my last, and that one was definitely an aha moment. And it's something you and I have talked about on a different level, but I was listening to the diversity gap podcast because I've been trying to listen, you know, and, and read, trying to up my game on that. And the guest on that show was Dr. Darnisa Amante Jackson. And I believe she's in Georgia. She's an educator. And she was talking about the type of change and how it needs to happen. And I thought, man, I want to sound as educated as she does, as she's speaking. And I was like, I don't. I really compared the two of us and I sound like a fool. But uh, <laughs> she is, I mean, you know, you were just talking about using big words and she was not using necessarily big word, but so accurate in the way she was saying that. Of course, I'm sure she's been doing that for a long time. So she has that rehearsed. But still, I was like, man, you sound man, you go girl. Um, but she talked about change 
and how people are scared of change. Mm -hmm. And you and I have had that conversation, but she was defining the why people are scared of change. And she was saying they're scared of change because they're afraid of what they're going to lose. So as leaders, when there is some kind of a training, when we're asking people to change something in their life, we have to voice what is going to be lost, but also what is going to be gained. Right. So if we put it in terms of our podcast, we are asking you to change the way you teach because we're asking you if you're using a lot of grammar, straight up grammar translation, we're asking you to leave that behind to discover a much more fulfilling way of looking at grammar. And so I thought that was very interesting because yeah, change, you know, usually it's the fear of the unknown a little bit, but the unknown of what am I losing? Mm -hmm. Because we don't know what we're going to gain. But what you're going to gain is a program full of happy students who want to continue to learn that as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So that was, that was a very big aha moment. I was like, oh, man, all right, you go girl. Just had me like on my butt listening to her because she made so much sense. And I was like, I need to listen to that again and just kind of process it all. So that was amazing. But anyway, so I cheated. I had three next time. I'll only have one, but those were pretty big. And you put me on the spot because I'm like, man, what, what kind of aha moment do I have? Uh, when I was thinking, you know, cause I didn't do any work this weekend. Hi, it was my daughter's birthday. So well, you had ha ha moments, um, Tuesday when we did our webinar with Joe Dale. I did. What was my aha moment? We were doing virtual, uh, virtual reality. I'm sure you had some of the tech that we had that were pretty oh, well, cool. Yeah. Honestly, though, I was thinking about it. So I was trying to make, you know, I'm all about Adobe Spark because it's so quick to make these videos and my students are really wanting more of my videos and not textbook videos. So I'm like, okay, I need to do this. And then I would start searching for a picture, right, to add into the video. And so I would type something into the search engine and it it really struck me every time I typed something into the search engine, it was always white people. I kind of had that today. <laughs> if I wanted, if I want, you know, diversity, I have to type in African American or you have to type in the specific, you know, race that you want. Because I realized going through some of my um, previous PowerPoints, I was like, man, I don't have any diversity in here. And so I'm kind of trying to rework my pictures. And I know that's a little thing, but it's something that I can change very quickly, mm -hmm. you know, finding pictures to, to make it more, um, you know, diverse. I can certainly do that. I, I like you, have a lot of work to do on the, the social justice front. But yeah, that was kind of an aha moment for me that I was like, why is it always white people that pop up when I'm searching? Or if they are people of color, they'll have them where they look completely ridiculous. You might have people speaking and they'll have something and you're like, okay, no. Yeah. <laughs> like, why do they have them portrayed that way? So, and I realize that's a small thing, but you've got to start somewhere. So but noticing it is a big thing because it's showing you you're noticing how 
widely or deeply ingrained it it truly is mm-hmm. and I mean, if you think about it, and if we're putting ourselves in somebody else's shoes, you're a student, you're doing research on something, you want to see a dancer, and all you're finding are those white chicks. (laughs) Right. You know, and it's got to be like, well, I like dancing, but I'm not white. Why why am I not finding a non-white dancers? And I'm sure there's plenty of non-white dancers right? Put singer and you're finding all those white singers and you're like, well, I know there's some talented singers of color, you know? So Mm -hmm. yeah, I I can definitely see that as it's being problematic. And that's one of the things I've read. We're just so trained to seeing it this way that we don't see it. We don't think about it. Exactly. And because we don't think about it we don't see it it's not it's not an issue Mm -hmm. and so we have to untrain ourselves to retrain ourselves exactly that's that's a pretty big aha moment and you have two you've got the adobe spark that's been your big it really has been big discovery of using it because everything you've sent me to look at has been off of adobe spark that's because it's so fast (laughs) And it's easy to edit. I mean, if I notice there's a mistake, I can just go to that particular slide and re-record that slide. Whereas if I do a screencast of a PowerPoint, you know, I either have to redo the entire screencast or I have to redo that part and then go into iMovie and cut and splice and, I mean, so much easier. And when we did the stop motion, it took me literally four hours to fix the slide so that they I know, would that be was a with mess. the language. And that was like... So, yeah, so there is one, you get two big aha moments, Adobe Spark and realizing that picture search is not the way it should be Yep. and being aware of that. So, all right. Well, I think we have a lot of food for thought. I do too. And if we, um, if our viewers, our viewers listen to me, if our listeners have an aha moment, they would like to share, we would love to hear it either you know, tweet it at us or they can email us at stepintomondays at gmail.com. And um, I mean, you know where you're listening to us. So that's probably your favorite podcast uh, platform. Make sure you subscribe so you you know when new episodes are coming out, although you can bank on them every Mondays. But every once in a while, we might have bonus episodes, so you don't want to miss anything. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure you share, tell your friends, colleagues, everybody, retweet us, tell tell people about us. We're not a secret to be kept. And à lundi, au revoir. Hasta lunes.